0: So let me read this portion to you again that we're going to be looking at tonight. Matthew 11, 25 to 28. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I said this morning that I'd um, probably give you a little bit more of a background to, to the church that I come from and, and the life that has brought me to this place so far. It won't be a full-on testimony, but I just want to give you a, a little bit of a flavour of the things that have been happening over the past three or four years. We, we went to um, Heacham, which is just below Heacham, in Norfolk for, Norfolk for our holiday. And we've been going there for, for 20 years since Trace and myself got married. It's our 20th wedding anniversary on the, let me get this right, 31st of August. So a couple of weeks. And it's been a real, it's, it's like a second home to be honest when we go back there. It's the, the familiar sights, such a lovely place, lots and lots of memories. And we started going to this little Methodist church in Heacham. Where the first time that I ever went there, I got talking to the, to the secretary and the, the guy who does the notices, and they got nobody to preach, so he asked me to say a few words. And then the same thing happened again this time when we went, um, and it's just a wonderful place. But as I was thinking about those 20 years, they've gone by in a flash. You know, and I'm sure you can say the same about your own life. I mean, we're talking this morning about the time that you've spent here as a, as a minister, and that time. It just goes by, and it's true what the Bible says that you know life is a vapor. It it comes and it goes. One minute we're born, and then the next minute we're not going to be here anymore. And it's, it it goes so fast, and that's why I've I've picked this portion of Scripture tonight for us to to hone in on because this is a, this is an absolute vital, and important message, both to the church and to unbelievers in the day. That we live. You know, I've I've grown up in church, all all my days. Um, my mum took us to a little Methodist church that was down the road. Huge Sunday school at the time. They had a, a platform at the back, um, probably raised up higher than this platform is, probably up to the ceiling, and that would have been full with little ones down at the bottom. And then bigger ones as you got to the back. I, I was quite annoyed actually because they stopped doing it before I got eventually got to the top row. I was on somewhere near the bottom platforms when we when they took it away. But it was a little Methodist church. You would probably seat probably from about halfway. No, no, but actually probably from the front, but not quite so wide. And they had to open the screens up and have the platform in the Sunday school room because there was that many people would attend and put more chairs, wooden woodworm-ridden chairs they were at the time. I remember. And I've been to church ever since, in one way, shape, or form. You know, I had those teenage years where you backside a little bit and you want to do the things that you want to do and you want to go out with your mates and you know drink a little bit and smoke a little bit and turn away but God's always kept me but I've been to some churches that have never really preached the gospel and I'm sure you understand what I mean when I say that that there are places out there that are only doing what it says in Timothy and in other places where actually they're just tickling the ears of the attendees they're just giving them what they want to hear in order to keep the seats filled and to make it look like their church is swelled and it saddens me in the day that we live that actually the churches that want to preach the full counsel of God are sometimes struggling for numbers but it also encourages me as well because actually you'll find the people there that actually do want to hear The full counsel of God. And so the text that we're looking at tonight. Although most of you may consider yourself to be fully saved. Totally born again. Regular church attendees. This type of message should never go short of being preached in a pulpit. You know, this, this evening's service is called a gospel service. That's what it's entitled on your board outside. That's what was given to me when, when I was sent um, the order of service through. You know, the Bible says to us very, very clearly in Romans that the, the, the gospel, the message of God that is given, that's the power of God to salvation. And that's the message that must be preached in one way, shape or form from Sunday to Sunday, whether that's in the morning or whether that's in the evening. You take the gospel out of anything and you have nothing left. All you have is a, is a man standing at the front, just spouting his own opinion. And that's why it's vital that the gospel is preached from the pulpit. And so we are going to look at it tonight. We're going to look at it together. We're going to remind ourselves the words that Jesus speaks in this wonderful portion of Scripture. And hopefully, we're going to go home encouraged, maybe challenged, but to know that we have actually heard Christ speak through His Word. The context of the reading is that Christ has been rejected, He's been questioned. By someone actually who you wouldn't have thought would question who he was. John the Baptist. You know the one who was there at his, his baptism. Who saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. The one who said look. Here he is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. John says to his two disciples. Go and ask him if he is the one or, or should we look for another. He's rejected by the generation in verse 18. He says, look, John's come and you've called him this and now you're calling me this because I do sit and eat with sinners and I drink with them and you're just rejecting me. And then he's rejected by the cities, Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum. And that's the type of generation And I suppose, really, it's the type of generation that we've always lived in. I mean, I only know my lifetime. I'm 48. I tried to lower my age this morning to 47. I'm 48. And I've seen some huge changes in my lifetime in the way that this country, this government, this world operates. And I'm sure you can tell me stories even further back from before I was born. And it's a a world that rejects God. It's a world that rejects Christ. It's a world that is only out to look for its own benefits and its own ends. Outside of Christ, that is. But the message that Christ gives in this portion of Scripture is still as relevant today as it was in the days that he spoke it on earth. These wonderful words... That he says, come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I shall give you rest. And who was he speaking to? He was speaking to those who were questioning him. Speaking to those who were rejecting him. Speaking to those who wanted nothing to do with him. And that's why the gospel must go out and must be declared... In this our generation. Because I'm absolutely convinced. That there would have been some of these people. That had rejected Christ. Who was sat with the 3000 on the day of Pentecost. Because the reality of the gospel of Christ. Had been made clear to them. By the power of the Holy Spirit. And they rejected the Christ. No longer. So there's four. Cs that I want us to look at. I don't normally do this type of thing because I think it's a little bit, you know, cheesy if you if you want to call it that. But there are four Cs within this passage. From verse 28, we see a call, we see a course, we see a condition, and then finally, we see a conclusion. So first of all, we see a call. Single word. I'm going to have to look here or so I'm going to drop it on the floor. That's it. A single word. Come. Come. What a powerful word that is. Come in the Greek is juro and it means to follow or to follow after. And it's an imperative word. An imperative mood is, is a command for someone to perform the action of the verb. So this is not just a, it's not an offer. This is a demand. This is a command that Jesus is saying. You know sometimes you can get those invitations that come through the door from a, whether it's a family member or a friend and it's saying, please come to my wedding reception You look at it and you think, I'd rather not. And you've got the choice whether you want to go. That's not this. this. This call that Jesus sends out, it's more than an invitation. It's a command, it's an imperative, and it's a universal call to all those that hear it. And I think that's... An important fact that we, that we must stress, that the call of God, the call of Christ, is a universal call. Now we know, don't we, that God is sovereign. We know about election and predestination. We know about all the doctrines. You know, these big, high doctrines which we're taught and i think sometimes we can be guilty of forgetting that actually this call is for everybody and it's not just an invitation out there it's a demand and it's a command so when the gospel goes out and when that call which should be included in all the gospel not just not an altar call but that a call to come to christ when that goes out It is a demand and a command that the the gospel pronounces. And we have to take this on board in our evangelism. We must. I think for far too long we've been a little short-sighted when it comes to evangelism. Get downhearted when things don't happen. When we don't see the numbers come through the door. Or maybe we can even get into that sinking and, and, and dangerous place of hyper Calvinism. Now, I was out on the streets, um, I think it must be four or five years ago in Alfreton, and my brothers were there preaching the gospel. And then I was just standing listening, and there was this guy came up and he said, Don't know why you're bothering. So I says, Oh, why, why is that? Thinking it was going to be a heckler and saying you know you're just wasting your breath it says you know, God's got his own he'll bring them to himself strange you know the Bible's very clear that God has a way of bringing sinners to himself and that way is by the preaching of the gospel Paul says how will they hear how are they ever going to understand unless somebody goes and tells them? How is going to go, somebody go and tell them unless they are sent? And so we must understand in the day that we live that this is a, it's an imperative for the church to get out there And call men and women to repentance. That's what the gospel does. Christ says it. Several times in his gospels. Is anyone thirsty? Anyone. Is anyone thirsty? Let them come to me and drink. And then he promises this. Those that come to me. Not mentioning anybody in particular. Those who come to me. I will by no means cast out. Now you may say to me. Yes but that's talking about those who the father gives to Christ. And you would be right. The call must go out. Must go out. And the quicker that churches get to this and, and understand this again and get back to preaching the gospel in its fullness, the better. There's an urgency to this call. And I want to ask you the similar questions as that I, that I asked you this morning, because I'm not a man that can come here and make any assumptions. I can't make any assumptions in my own ...church that I attend when I'm preaching and and I know those people that are there. Have you heard the urgency of the gospel? Have you heard the urgency of the call? Have you heard the depth of it? Do you know the depth of it? Have you seen the beauty of it? Because there are many men and women that sit in chairs in churches... ...and all they have is a knowledge of the Bible... A knowledge of its stories. But they have no understanding and no experience and no relationship with Christ. And it's the job of the preacher. The job of the pastor. The job of anyone who speaks from the pulpit to declare these things in all of their fullness. So that men and women hear that call. Week in, week out, week in, week out. Because there may still be a hard heart sat there. Or there. Or there. Or there. It has to go out. Have you responded to that call? Have you heard it? Secondly, there is a course... That we must take. Jesus says come. But he doesn't just leave them. Trying to work out. Which way it is to go. You you know. If you take that path you might be alright. Go down the middle there and you might get there. No he makes it very very clear. Come. Come to me he says. And again you might think that that's. We, we, we know that. We, we've heard that for years, and we know that there's no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. But again, we may be guilty at times of trying to try different ways of getting people into church. We were talking about it this morning, the amount of things that churches now do to try and get people into the seats. Some, some of it is done because they genuinely want people to come in and sit on the seats. And they think, well, if we can just get them in. Sometimes we may be guilty of thinking that it's our knowledge that gets us places. There's some very, very clever people. I'm not one of them. I'm mediocre. I only got C's, D's and E's. But there's some very, very clever theological people. But they're not the way. There's some very good deeds that we can do. And we've had a a fantastic afternoon. You know, some great fellowship. Lovely food. But that's not the way. I'm going to quote it again. I am the way. No one comes to the Father except but me. Sola Christos. Christ alone. And that's in every single way, shape and form possible that you can imagine. Not just his dying on the cross. We're talking about how he pleased the God the Father. While he was in the body. And he obeyed every part of the law. We're talking about what he's doing there now. Sat at the right hand side of the Father. Interceding on our behalf. Only him. Not the eloquence of our prayers. Not the fact that we can read and understand Greek. No. Christ alone when he said it's finished upon that cross he finished it and we can all be guilty at times of adding little things on Christ and a little bit of something else a little bit of something that I can do or present or or add to what Christ has already done no come to me only is what Christ is saying And in the passage that we read, Christ talks about the truth has been given to babes. Not to those who think that they're wise and prudent, but to babes. We, We must be humble people. We must be people who accept what we've read or sang in that last hymn. You know, we are sinners. We're poor and we're needy. We're no one special. And our reliance has to be on Christ alone. Because that's where we find ourselves. We must be childlike. Just like our own children. I mean, Logan's nine. Next week. Next week? Is it next week? Two weeks. weeks, I can't even remember. And... Down that road there, when, when we was coming over, I still grabbed hold of his hand to cross the road. But it, there's going to be a time in the next year or so he doesn't want me to do it. Last year when we went to heat him, I was I carried him for about oh I can't remember on my shoulders. This year I couldn't do it. But children when they are young, they rely upon the parents for everything, the food, the safety. The guidance. And that's how we must be with God and with Christ. Totally reliant in every single area. And so he says, come to me. This is the only way that you can get to know God. This is the only way that you can be put right with God. This is the only way that you continue to have a relationship with God. So we move on to the third C a condition. So you may remember that when we were singing that hymn and I said that you know there was nothing that we should bring. There is a there is a condition to all of this. Even though that this call that goes out is a is a universal call and it reaches the ears of all those who are in its hearing. There is a condition of the final sea, and that is that we are weary and heavy laden. That might seem a strange thing to say, and a strange thing to acknowledge, and a strange thing to understand, but this is the basis of the whole gospel. This is the part of the gospel that actually a lot of the churches don't want to, to preach because actually we don't want to offend people. We don't want them going out of the buildings and, and hearing the words, actually, our best efforts are like filthy rags, and that we're sinners, that we're heavy laden. No, we want to tell them how awesome they are. We want to tell them that they to live the good life and to live it now. But the actual reality of the gospel is that we must understand who we are outside of Christ. Blessed are those who mourn, it says in Matthew 5. Those who recognise that actually then they themselves are, are the ones that are dead. That have got no hope no prosperity of reaching any sight of God whatsoever for they shall be comforted blessed are those who are poor in spirit those people who actually don't think that they've done anything to deserve anything but actually are humble enough to admit that have nothing to offer. Have you experienced that state in your life? Have you ever got to that point where you recognize well actually, yes, My best efforts are just as filthy rags. I am a sinner poor and needy weak and wounded I am needy I'm weary and I'm heavy laden and I'm bruised and I've been ruined by the fall not one man, woman or child in this world is sinless all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God we're born into it it's what the theologians would call total depravity. We are born into a state of being sinful because of what Adam did in the garden. And we have no way of, of clawing our way back because you know as good as I do that our every efforts always end in failure. Always. We can have a good days. We can, we can make a, a New Year's resolution list and we can tick six off. Still three that I'm working on. We can make that effort not to keep doing the same things. But what about your thoughts? We're talking this morning about sitting in in church. No, it was this afternoon at dinner time. And actually sometimes the things that are going through your head that are ungodly thoughts. Even while you're in the house of the Lord. That's the type of people that we are. We're sinners and we must recognize our state and our condition. God says that we need to be people of a a broken spirit with a broken and a contrite heart. Is that the place that you want to live? And I don't mean walking around in deep depression, but I'm on about knowing that you are that person in the flesh. Because the truth is, unless we acknowledge and we understand that, we'll never understand what we've been saved from and what we've been saved to. Those who are not sick don't need a physician. It's those that are sick that need him. And we must recognise that fact. But it doesn't stop there. We have a conclusion. Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All the times when Jesus calls within the Bible, there's always a promise linked with it. Is anyone thirsty? Let them come to me and drink. And stop there. And out of his head will flow rivers, heart will flow rivers of living water. Follow me, said to his disciples, using the same word, Come. Not just to walk behind me and observe the things that I do. But after following me, I will make you fishers of men. Him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast him out. And here in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, One of the greatest promises of all. I will give you rest. Not rest from the troubles that we were talking about this morning in terms of physicality. Not rest in maybe a decent night's sleep tonight that I didn't get last night. But a peace with God. A rest in your soul and in your heart to know that that dirty, filthy rag that has been clothed around us has now been stripped off. thrown on the floor, and we've been clothed with Christ's righteousness. It's the only way we can have peace with God. The only way. Rest from endless, fruitless effort. John MacArthur says this this speaks of permanent respite in the grace of God. Which is apart from the works of the law. When you have been called in Christ Jesus. By grace and grace alone. We rest in that grace. For the remainder of our life on earth. There's going to be hard days. Easy days. Days that's in between. But in all those days we're resting totally in the finished work of Christ. And in the grace that he has provided to us, that we now, unlike those children of Israel, we now have access to our Heavenly Father. And so that's why Christ delivers these words there and then. And that's why these words must go out today, tomorrow, and while ever God gives us breath as a church come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and the promise is this I will not might not maybe I will give you rest and it's not a rest for now it's a rest for all Of eternity. And so I'll finish pretty much like I finished this morning. Have you come to him? In the true sense of the word. Not just a peripheral admittance that Christ existed and he was a good man and he died on the cross. And the cross brings forgiveness for sins. I'm talking about I've heard that call. That command on your life. Come to me. Have you experienced that laden. That guilt of sin. That we all should have if we've heard that call. Because if we haven't there's a problem. And do you know the promise. That is in Christ. When he says. I will give you rest. Rest. I pray that we can all say that we fit into all of those categories tonight. But if not, I urge you to run to him and cry out to him and respond to that universal call that goes out. What a wonderful, wonderful gospel that we have. And it is a gospel that saves to the uttermost, not partly, not with a little bit little extra that's got to be done, but it saves. And if we are Christ, we are living witnesses and evidences of it. And I just want to encourage you as I go away from here, I know what you see around you maybe brings despondency sometimes with and I know you've got people away but God is in the business of saving he always has been and until Christ comes again he always will be so seek seek it with all you've got at your prayer meetings throw everything that you have in this life at the cross encourage one another build one another up And have high expectations. You know, not the silly, wacky, weirdness stuff that you can hear about, but expectations that God is an almighty God and that He has called a people to Himself. A people of living stones that have been built one to another with Christ as its cornerstone and its foundation. And we're still here. So the building's not finished yet. So keep going, keep praying and keep seeking God and keep preaching the gospel, which is the power of God to salvation. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, again, we thank you for your word. Sometimes, Father, we, we, we walk through this life and we find it so difficult to think that those that are out there can turn and be saved. And yet the reality of it is we only have to look at our own lives and know the possibilities that are out there. And so we ask, Father, that in this day that we live, although sometimes it it looks as if the church is on decline you have made it very clear that you will continue to build your church and that the gates of hell will never prevail against it and so we ask that you'll impart and impute such assurance into our lives such, such a desire and a passion to seek and pray for these things as we've never felt before And Father if there is anything within us which which has a higher importance than your word or prayer would you take that from us? Your word clearly tells us Lord that idols are a very dangerous thing. And it's our desire Lord to just follow you to hear that call and pursue you with everything that we have. Help us to make that happen, Father. Make us the vessels and the people that you have called us to be. Shapers and moulders with your hands. Chip off the bits that need to be chipped off. Add the bits that need to be added. And Father, we just pray that you would be glorified amongst your church, your true church. And Father, that you would indeed use us in this day to bring many sons to glory. In the name of Jesus. Amen.